It's coming. I promise. Hopefully, hopefully football season starts faster than that just was. Well, you know. You thank my computer for whacking like a motherfucker for some reason. <laughs> I was also going to say it's a good thing that Ben is not in charge of the NCAA, but actually, I think that might be better. Yeah, facts. What's going on with the NCAA? So <laughs> take that back. <laughs> All right, all right, hold on. I know I know we're not doing news anymore, but I have to ask this because you brought up the NCAA being run like shit. So Harbaugh said he was going to sit out the first four games. The NCAA said no. So then they accepted his self-imposed three-game suspension? There's a whole lot going on around that, and it's not even worth talking about because they don't play this week, so we're not talking about it. Anyway, this is the Did Big Dudes the right. podcast. No, you didn't. This oh, is the okay. Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. <laughs> I am Doug. Here's Bug, and Tug is the one interjecting with some random bullshit that he was incorrect about. Happens is, a lot. To I was going to say, is that, not my, so. is that not my job? <laughs> I thought that was my entire role on this podcast. <laughs> and this is the Week Zero preview, because we have college football games happening this freaking Saturday. And not only that, but we have 10 games going on, not just one or two, 10 whole ass games all throughout the day. Very exciting stuff, all kinds of networks. So this is not going to be the normal format for how we'll do every week of the season, uh, because we're not going to make picks for every single game on the show, but it's week zero. So we're going to make a pick for every single game happening this weekend, uh, as it should be. Because all these games are going to be incredible, even if they don't look like it necessarily at first glance. All of them have some very interesting storylines behind them. We're going to break down all of that for you guys. And then this will be happening every week of the season. We have two NFL draft hopeful prospects to preview in this episode as well. One offense and one defensive player to watch out for in this week of college football action. Hopefully you guys get to learn a little bit more about the mid to late round guys potentially coming up in this year's NFL draft. And it also gives me a chance to highlight some random dudes that I find and enjoy watching because that happens every single year. And they're mostly how many linebackers and running backs are you going to I'm just going to ask that. (laughs) Um, Amazingly this week, it is neither a running back nor a linebacker. I don't believe it. I've seen the notes, and I don't believe it. <laughs> the notes are lying to us. I made a, made a secret third deck of slides. Maybe we'll find later. <laughs> I'm, okay, hold on. I would not put that past you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's week freaking zero, man. Week zero hasn't been around that long, actually, in the scheme of things. It really became a recent addition to college football around the time that they instituted the Hawaii rule. That was a big part of it. And then also the addition of getting uh, FBS versus FCS matchups uh, when that split happened and they were no longer called 1A and 2A Division One. Um that the whole the rules around those matchups changed. So in theory, this is a week for uh, some games that just wouldn't fit in the schedule otherwise. That's not really what it's turned into. It's turned into more of a legitimate college football kickoff, and a couple of these games are sponsored now, and we have some neutral site excitement 
And, the neutralist uh, of sites, actually, on one of these. I don't know if that's actually true, but... <laughs> that's that's not true at all. Yeah. I don't who are the Catholics going to cheer for? The Catholic school or the U.S. military school? Yeah, who's Hard Ireland, Ireland going to cheer for? The fighting Irish or the Navy? <laughs> Even still, it doesn't get more neutral than Ireland. No, it's not. It's not true at all. It was <laughs> neutral last year for Northwestern Nebraska. Look, it's... <laughs> Well, the, in fairness, they thought Nebraska was just a bunch of new drivers. So, I mean, there's that, too. Well, they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it, first time they've driven anything sober in their lives. It's at least more neutral than the SEC championship game starring Georgia-Bama in Atlanta, Georgia. Actually, I think the most neutral site game might be North Alabama-Mercer. Um, in Birmingham, Alabama? Or Jackson State, South Carolina State. I mean, those are that's pretty neutral. Atlanta's equidistant there. That's anyway, fair. anyway, we're already getting into things. So if you want to say anything else before we actually start talking about the individual matchups, I'm just so excited for real live meaningful football. It's it's amazing. What the preseason isn't meaningful enough for you? No, the NFL preseason just count, means dude. all my fantasy targets get injured. NFL doesn't count, let alone the preseason in the NFL. Fuck that. We're Division One college football here. <laughs> Get out of here with that nonsense. All right, so this is an order of the times that the games will be played. Starting off the very first game of the college football season in 2023 is going to be the Navy midshipmen against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in Dublin, Ireland, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, yeah, that's kind of a night game in Ireland. It'll be on NBC, also streaming on The Cock. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the Cock and, or uh, The Cock? It's The Cock. They don't get, <laughs> they don't get the trademark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> looks like we're all picking Notre Dame here, but should be a fascinating one. Uh, what do you guys, what do you guys think about this matchup? So, so <laughs> perfect. Oh, we're back. It's back, guys. <laughs> Go okay, ahead, look. Yeah, look. Right now, right now, Notre Dame is a 20 and a half point favorite. And somebody brought up a good point that Navy doesn't get blown out a lot, uh, which I came back with. You obviously haven't seen them play in conference the past couple of years because they've been getting blown out a lot. I would also say you haven't seen them play Notre Dame the past couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will, however, caveat that with Notre Dame's not a conference opponent. It's not somebody they play every single year. This is a rivalry that's kind of come back. And with some of the turnover at Notre Dame, specifically looking at that head coaching position, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. And, oh, by the way, Navy has a new head coach, too. I'm sure the triple option is still going to be their bread and butter. It's always going to be the bread and butter of the service academies because of the size of their linemen in particular. But I wouldn't be surprised to see really all the academies mixing in some more passes just because it's going to help with recruitment and everything. And if there's a team to try and break that out against, it's somebody that's going to kick your ass anyway. Let's see where we're really at. So my my, my storylines with this game, you already hit the big one, is it's going to be run heavy for Navy. And historically, when you watch these games, the service academies hang out with these big-name schools usually for about two and a half quarters, and then the game changes, and it changes real quick. I don't even think that's going to happen this year, and the reason I say that is 
when the service academies rebuild specifically navy too they they get this bad they rebuild hard and they go into the gutter for a season or two and then they become really good like they're doug i know you hate absolutes but like for navy and all the other service academies it's either you're really good or you're really bad and this is going to be another bad year for navy as they're trying to figure themselves out find their identity again after they went through honestly and unreal amount of time in that really good realm uh yeah notre dame still got a new head coach it's his second year this year i believe uh marcus freeman i'm not as concerned with with notre dame i think they're gonna come out they're gonna come out fast it is week one so anything really can happen or week zero so first real contact for a lot of these players i just i don't think navy's got it this year i i don't um, it, it better not be the first real contact for these players that happened in the 2020 season for Navy. That did not go well. No, no, it did not. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about? Want to talk about Navy not getting blown out? BYU blew them out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I think we have it in our notes here. They've played twice in Ireland before, and it has not been pretty either time in favor of Notre Dame. Yeah, 2012 and 1996, they played in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, average score of those games is 52 to 19. That is not a good look. <laughs> that is beyond the two and a, uh, 20 and a half point spread. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> I do want to say, though, the, the line size narrative follows the service academies everywhere. And to an extent, it is absolutely fair. Because of the military requirements, you have to be in a certain weight limit after it, the season is over. But there are programs now, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, are allowed to exceed weight limits during the athletic season. So there have been some changes made to that. And I want to call out the average weight of the offensive linemen on each roster. Uh, it's only about 30 pounds different between Notre Dame and Navy, which is a lot less than most people make it sound like. It's still significant, but for comparison, you know, Notre Dame's offensive line is smaller than Georgia's offensive line by about five pounds. Uh, the defensive line is a lot closer between Navy and Notre Dame. It's a lot nicer. Actually, actually the size difference there is an average of 6.9 pounds. Nice. Thank you. Uh, for comparison, looking at Notre Dame compared to University of Georgia, the Georgia defensive line is larger on average by 30 pounds. So there are line disparities all over the place. I don't think it's just a service academy issue. It could also be the case that Notre Dame's lines are just small this year. That may be the case too. Uh, and that's not necessarily just the starters. That was everybody on the roster. So. The only comparison there I think that might be unfair out of all this is comparing Georgia's D-line to Navy's D-line. And the reason is Navy is built more for a speed. So those defensive ends, those realistically rushing outside linebackers in a 3-4 defense are not going to be as big as Georgia's true defensive ends, true defensive tackles in, in the true 4-3 that they run. So that might be a little unfair, but everything else you, you speak to is absolutely true. Well, I wasn't comparing no Georgia and Navy. I was comparing Notre Dame and Georgia. And well, you get my – that's the point I'm making. That's crazy. Well, the, 
it's not. So I think it also was, speaks to just how massive Georgia is. So yeah, that's the <laughs> other piece. It was, hey, I'm going to take the most dominant defensive line and compare them to another yeah. Power Five school that's nowhere near as good. It was real nice that we coordinated our costs there, Doug. Uh, I want to take one yeah. second real quick to thank Crazy Frog 850 for the sub. And I also, before we move on to our next game, because I think we're we're pretty well wrapped up here, I also want to take a second to to point out, too, that by and large, like Tug already mentioned, Georgia's defensive line is freakishly huge. They're there to plug holes and stop you from running. They do it well. But you there look was only at, one player over 320 pounds, though. Yeah. But, well, you look at the outside – defensive line pretty much anywhere and these guys are track stars practically i mean that's kind of what the position of edge rusher has become no matter what the defensive scheme is really so it makes sense that the defensive line disparity between navy and pick any other school besides georgia uh is going to be pretty a lot close a lot closer or pretty close (laughs) that's fair fair. i like that perspective good call out uh next up in the order of events, we have 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, North Alabama against Mercer, also a neutral site game. This one in Montgomery, Alabama. Both schools are in that area, pretty close. Montgomery, It's uh, I think it's a pretty true neutral site. It's That's not fair. too bad for either school there. The Lions versus the Bears only need the Tigers make a the dirty trio. The refs wear the stripes. Oh, there my. It is. Oh, yeah, there we go. But they're the zebras. They're the prey. <laughs> Get fucked, refs. <laughs> uh, this is a matchup of two relatively new programs, all things considered. North Alabama is has only been in Division One since 2018. They won three consecutive Division II national championships between 1993 and 1995. Only school to ever do that, win three consecutive Division II national championships. Um, I mean, they've been around for quite some time, but only in Division I since 2018. That's pretty dang recent. Never even come close to the playoffs. But they're building, and they've had a really solid history of success at the lower levels. Mercer, on the other hand, existed for several years until World War II happened. Then they shut everything down. Didn't have enough players in the 40s. 1941, they said, let's just not have a team anymore. We don't have enough young men here. And the program stayed dormant for like 70 years, only coming back in 2013, already at the Division I level. And 2022 was the first year they got into the top 25 across the country. They've been building pretty well. And... They come in preseason, top 25 as well, number 20 in the stats performed, top 25, number 22 in the coaches poll across the FCS. We're all picking Mercer here. Yeah, Mercer right now does definitely feel like the better team, but a fascinating come up for both these programs. It it really is, and Mercer's kind of lit the world by storm uh, since they've come back. It took them a while to get building, but once they have, it's been nonstop, and Again, it, it's not big jumps every year. It's incremental improvement that they keep building on, and that's what you need, uh, especially when you've maintained it over going on your 10th season now. Uh, it's Man, it, it kind of is remarkable. They are a top team. We had them top of their conference when we were doing our previews. I don't see that changing, and I – look, North Alabama, they're good. They're still learning their way in Division One. They're just – Mercer's just better this year. 
Well, and it's like we talked about too. They're they're a far cry from the doormat that Alabama would play before playing Auburn. Yeah. Even five years ago, Alabama doesn't want to play them anymore. And really, I'm surprised Ole Miss wants to take them on as well. Although I still think Ole Miss is going to be heavily favored in in week two of that one. I don't think they wanted to. I think that game was probably scheduled four years ago or so. <laughs> That's probably valid. <laughs> what I'm interested to see in this one is really how good is Mercer? I feel like that's going to be kind of the measuring stick. Like you said, you know, it's not that North Alabama's bad. It's that they're new. It's that they're still trying to find their way, really. If Mercer's going to be a ranked preseason team, they've got to really come out and prove it in this one. They can't let this be a game that springboards North Alabama and springboard their program. They've got to make sure that they, you know, maintain that, hey, we're we're one of the better teams at the FCS level. Yeah. Yeah, I think he wrapped What's up the, nicely. Tug with a uh, Mercer's just with the right yeah. Now. <laughs> I, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'm, lo- I'm trying to look it up. That's what I'm doing right now. Do we have a spread for this game yet, or are they not doing it for the FCS? Uh, F- FCS games don't really have a spread. That's real degenerate shit right there. Go to. <laughs> I mean, that's what to, we do. We highlight the spread every week. I promise you, there's spreads on some of these these uh, ESPN high school games. FCS somewhere Reddit. Go to the FCS subreddit. They've been starting to put together uh, their own virtual non-monetary sports book uh, with some mock spreads. It seemed to be pretty accurate last year. I think it was the first year they started doing it. So maybe you can find some there. (laughs) I'm just trying to see what it is to see where we're at, to see if that would change my pick if we were going against the spread. That's all. I mean... It wouldn't for me. <laughs> Minus thirty something. That'd still probably go Mercer. I, I have oh, them for the rest. I have them for the rest of the week. Well, all right. Next up at five thirty on CBS Sports Network, we have UTEP at Jacksonville State, a Conference USA matchup in Jacksonville State's first FBS season. Two of us are going with the minors here, but Bug, you got the Gamecocks. So what's going on with that? Mostly, I saw how good Jacksonville State's been the past couple of years playing against SBS opponents, uh, Florida State. And Conference USA is not the ACC. I think Jacksonville State's going to be looking to come out and make a statement in their first game as an FBS team in conference. This is a huge game for them. I wouldn't put this as like, hey, this is their bowl game because they're not eligible this year. But this is probably going to be the biggest game of the season for them. I expect them to come out with a lot of energy. I don't think the moment's going to be too big for them. These players and these coaches have been in bigger moments playing up against a Power 5 team as an FCS school. I've got, I've, I've, I've got pretty good confidence in them. Like this. This game is a lot closer than I think we were assuming. It's only a one-point spread uh, to bring in the degeneracy uh, right out the bat. I do think UTEP has it. UTEP's coming off a big season. They had a great season last year. I think they're going to continue to build on that. Jackson State, I don't want to say – or Jacksonville State. Sorry, not Jackson State. I don't want to say they're going to be overcome by the moment. But for UTEP, this is just another business Saturday ready to go. Yeah, it was a real coin flip to me. And then I saw it was a one-point spread, and it was like, wow, that, yeah, feels like it. Uh, But I am going with the road team here, which feels weird. 
on some level being a being such a coin flip. Yep. Part of that is the experience of Gavin Hardison at quarterback. Not that I necessarily love everything he's done at quarterback for UTEP, but man, coming into his fourth season as the starter, if you include that COVID spring, I mean that's that's experience that you just can't pass up on. And the yeah. offense has not been the problem for UTEP. I do think the defense has an opportunity to make a, a big stride. Um, you know, if if you're scoring 25 points a game, you really ought to be able to be in most of your games and UTEP has been right there usually uh two and two in one score games last year that's kind of impressive too honestly I mean not like UTEP's been a powerhouse so for them to be fighting for bowl eligibility last year and in those one score games every you know every so often that's impressive enough to me and when I look at Jacksonville State's record last year what they did last year yeah, nine and two is awesome. Five and zero oh versus the A Sun down there in when the A Sun still existed as a separate entity. <laughs> um, but they also got blown out by Tulsa, like by a lot, and then lost by multiple scores to Southeastern Louisiana. Took them two overtimes um, to beat somebody. I'm forgetting right now. <laughs> Makes sense. That happened. Uh, that's that's kind of what the season was for them last year, and they yeah they came on really strong at the end of the year, sure, but also that was your that was your weakest opponents. And looking at Central Arkansas last year, really wasn't that good. Eastern Kentucky started the year hot and ended very poorly. So beating them by multiple scores at the end of the year isn't as impressive as it sounds. I mean, double overtime to beat Kennesaw state is not that impressive when Kennesaw state's basically already starting to redshirt people getting ready to move up to the FBS soon. They're like, they, they went 500 last year. So Jacksonville state is a bit of a paper tiger last year. In my eyes, I know they've been strong as you know, 2021 Florida state is a great example of that, but also, Florida State sucked that year. So <laughs> I am taking I the, cool. the experience of UTEP. And, yeah, like what you were saying, Tug, maybe maybe the moment gets to Jacksonville State a little bit. It is week zero, first ever game in the FBS. That's a big moment. And I guess that takes us to the very next game, UMass at New Mexico State. Prime time ESPN, baby. Let's go. The That's just how of all time. It's amazing and beautiful that there is college football in prime time on a Saturday in August. I love it. That matchup is absolutely disgusting, and I want nothing to do with it. You okay. fuck. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I will watch this game solely for Jerry Kill. I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, the quarterback for New Mexico State, Diego Pavia, is awesome. I love Star Thomas at running back. Another one of my random running back pulls. I uh, only ran for like 600 yards last year. I don't know why I like him as much as I do. Maybe because his first name's Star, and that's freaking awesome. He is a fucking star. <laughs> but New Mexico State has not won more than seven games in a season since 
1965 when they went eight and two. Uh, they're shooting for <laughs> shooting for more than seven wins, and actually. This could be a good year to do it. Starting off with UMass is a nice way to get things rolling. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, UMass, UMass. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say UMass. I think the biggest mistake they made as a program was moving up to the FBS level. I don't say that oh, often. Yeah. Um, they were much more successful down at hell back in 06, 07. That was division one double a wasn't it? That was before the FCS. Um, it was around the, the time of the split. It was, yeah. I don't remember exactly when it it's, got renamed. It's but, a name change, yeah. And I don't think this is going to change it for any of you guys. Spread sitting at, we'll call it six and a half because it's seven even. I'm still taking New Mexico State with that. I think this is more than a touchdown game. It does make it interesting. There is a familiar face if you've been watching college football for the past couple of years at quarterback for UMass. The Minutemen bring in a, uh, a uh, transfer is the word I'm looking for, quarterback, most recently out of Georgia Tech, but also from University of Clemson originally. Tyson Pumachon is the starting quarterback for the Minutemen this year. Looking forward to seeing that battle. I have been impressed with Pumachon in the past in a couple of spot action starts, not even starts, like a few minutes here and there. Uh, Georgia Tech wasn't great. I understand why he's transferring again. <laughs> that offense just wasn't a good fit. I think he was still trying his desperately to stay in the Power Five with that move at the time. I was gonna say but, didn't really do that, but I yeah. I do think getting to like I hate to say he's going to play lesser competition this year. Um, it it allows him to get into a rhythm. It allows him to find that that rhythm that he needs to succeed. That's definitely a storyline to watch moving forward. Yeah, but we're all taking New Mexico State because they Yeah, Aggies absolutely. Are, that doesn't change. Aggies are awesome. Let's go Jerry Kill. Absolutely. <laughs> that's next honestly up. that's my sole reason for that pick. Um because I <laughs> put a lot of faith in Jerry Kill. This is kind of the same stance that I've had when Justin Fuente was at Memphis, when uh Mike Norvell was at Memphis. I mean Put your faith in the coach. If you believe in your coach, a lot of good things can happen. And I think That's New Mexico it, yep. State's going to have a lot more good things coming their way. Uh, I think last year was honestly the start of good things to come for the for the Aggies. I sure hope so. Been a long time since we've seen good football out of the state of New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, have since we ever really? Brian Urlacher. Brian Urlacher. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, that team wasn't even good. It was just him. I know. Yeah, that's still good football. <laughs> it depends on your definition. Uh, anyway, next up, Ohio at San Diego State cross-country matchup here. Uh, only been one meeting previously. It was in the 2018 Frisco Bowl. The Bobcats did win that one. Uh, you're both picking San Diego State here. I'm taking the Bobcats simply because Curtis Rourke is healthy and back. They were on track to win the MAC decisively. They were looking like the best team in the Mid-American Conference last year until Curtis Rourke went out with a torn ACL. Surgery went very well. Recovery has gone surprisingly well, and they said he's going to be ready to go, 100% ready to play in week zero. Curtis Rourke is 
awesome. And I'm very excited to see him play again. And this is assuming they're telling the truth. He is actually legitimately 100%. Uh, if there's any lingering here, it yeah, it'll be close. And it's at San Diego State. That's tough. But Curtis Rourke, I'm putting some faith in here. I'm going with the Bobcats. So I'm actually looking to see if San Diego State gets back to running the ball. Uh, they didn't really do it well last year. They resorted a lot to more passing. That's not really their style. They're a pro-style run-first offense. Uh, they've done really well with that with guys like, I don't know, Rashad Penny. Uh, oh, God. A bunch of other running backs that also happen yep. to play for the Seahawks. Um, <laughs> I, and this team is very up and down in that one year they're really good. The next year they're mediocre. Last year was a mediocre year. I think we're underestimating San Diego State coming into this season. Uh, they need to be at the top of people's list to watch to come out of the west side of the Mountain West Conference. And this is going to be an early test for them at home where they're also historically really good. Uh, it's hard to beat San Diego State at home. I'm, I'm going to stick with San Diego State on this one. Yeah, I can't tell. Actually, I know Doug didn't do this to to be contrarian because I was the last one to get my picks in. I just <laughs> think it's crazy that you've got that much faith in Ohio. Every time I wanted to put any type of faith in the Bobcats, it burned me last year. I can't, I can't do it. I'd rather, I'd rather lose to them every time than pick them and let them disappoint me again. That's where a lot of this is coming from. But at the same time, San Diego State, I think, is just a better team. I don't. I don't feel like that's a stretch to say. I'm Damn. confused why you've got this much faith in Ohio. Hater. Well, hold Ohio on. It's way not as... better than San Diego State last year. I was going to say, it's, <laughs> it's not as much faith as you're making it seem. The spread is sitting at sitting at three and a half. And it's about... You're right. And actually, 62% of people are taking Ohio plus three. Uh, you're And I, I mean... I would too. That's the thing. You're right. Ohio definitely was a better team last year, and they still burned me every time I put any type of faith in them. I can't do that again. Yeah, because you never did until for... like until Curtis Hork got hurt, apparently, because they were beasting and feasting until then. <laughs> this this exact issue you just you're hopped on the bandwagon about, the wrong time. The, this apparently. exact issue you're talking about is exactly why it's going to burn you again this year. I'm sure it is. Going to get just enough faith in Curtis Rourke, and then all of a sudden he's going to get hurt, and you're like, Ohio, burned. <laughs> no, I, I will not pick Ohio this year. Until such time, I will take the Bobcats. Fair enough. <laughs> That's the first five down. Five more to go on this glorious week zero. Next up, Fordham at Albany, 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Flow Sports. Uh, which is brutal, is what it is. The CAA has a media deal. The Pac-12 network is about to not have a new media deal, so that's cool. Uh, good for the CAA. The Pac-12 is <laughs> uh, about to not have a conference. That is also true. The CAA definitely will have a conference. Yes. Uh, but we're, we're playing at Albany, which means it's under the CAA media deal and Flow Football gets the game. But Fordham's coming to town, and we're all picking the Rams. I do. I need to go into this one more. The Rams are just all around a better team. I know Albany is good. They're on a downswing after having an upswing a few years ago. They should be turning it around. I just don't see it this year. Fordham's one of our top teams that we were talking about in the in the previews. 
for me, it's all Fordham, no question. So the big question right now is who's going to replace Tim DeMoret at quarterback. I think the answer is going to end up being New Mexico transfer CJ Montez. I don't know for sure. They also have a senior quarterback on the roster who did throw a couple of passes last year in relief. I don't know how that competition is going to go. I don't know who they're going to throw out on the field in week zero. They haven't made yeah. any announcement anyway. That doesn't really change the analysis, though. Fordham's just kind of better all around yes. right now. That's that's really the issue. <laughs> yeah. I would I would have loved to have gotten that great Danes logo on here, but that just seems like a crazy step yeah. to take to want to to think that uh, they they really have a good chance against Fordham. I just I don't see it at all. See that I agree with that. At the same time, though, it is really harsh because last year the game they played last year as well. It was at Fordham and it was forty eight forty five. Fordham did win, but. Albany kept it a field goal game. Fordham does lead the all-time series six to three, playing very sporadically, of course, because they're not in the same conference, and the FCS right. doesn't do non-conference games quite the same way the FBS does. Um, but it could end up being an extremely close game again, and if it plays out like last year, maybe Albany does win it because it's at Albany this year. I don't know if that makes that much of a difference. I mean, it's still in the state of New York. We'll see. That's probably that's probably their best chance. Their best hope is that they get that home field advantage. Which yeah. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, there was a U Albany game that was featured on uh, on College Game Day. I feel like seven, probably closer to ten years ago. And it looks like it's a pretty good environment for that big rivalry game. I, I'm pretty sure it was the Albany Stony Brook game that ho- where the uh, where it happened. But it it looked like a pretty big deal. I just wonder what that what it looks like as far as uh, as far as a regular season game, right? A week zero matchup. Right. Where most people are expecting them to get stomped. Right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we're all taking Fordham there. Next yep. up, Hawaii at Vanderbilt. This is the return of the home and home. Vanderbilt and Hawaii scheduled a home and home. What a wild. Is this like Hawaii, West. New Mexico State last year where they scheduled a home and home in the same year? No. Okay. This is not the case. Last year, last year, Vanderbilt got a vacation to Hawaii and also an easy win, 63-10. to 10. This year they're playing in Nashville. Uh, it will not be at a high school stadium that was discussed, but it will be at Vanderbilt's actual home home stadium. I was going to say the uh, entire stadium's not shut down. It's just a section of it. Right, right. And there are a couple of roads in the area still closed for the construction. So get but, there early. Start your pregame yeah. early. Yeah, that's definitely what's going to have to happen. This Pretty game will much. be on SEC Network. Because who they have a they have television? a TV deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think Hawaii's going to really be any better this year than they were last year. Uh, 
I have no indications of why I should think differently. But, Bug, you went ahead and took the Rainbow Warriors. What are you thinking with this one? Uh, I'm thinking I don't want to get memed, especially when it's fucking Vanderbilt that would meme us. I'm not putting faith <laughs> in Vanderbilt. That, I mean, it really does come down to that. I, I, I mean, that's fair. I appreciate <laughs> that we have faith in an SEC school being able to take care of Hawaii, but it's Vanderbilt, and that's really all it comes down to for me. Their their home field advantage is pretty meek uh, as far as FBS and especially SEC schools go, and they've destroyed it a little bit, literally, uh, to try and make it better for future years. It's not going to be better for this game. It's going to be significantly worse. Yeah. I. I- until until about 10 minutes before the show, I thought they were still having to move it to a high school stadium. So that, the fact that it's at Vanderbilt that's going to be at their stadium doesn't change anything for me. I'm still going with the Rainbow Warriors. I will say I'm kind of surprised here. The spread, not at the spread number, the spread actually I like is 17 and a half uh, in favor of Vanderbilt. But 52% of people, the majority of bets being placed are on Hawaii against the spread. Uh, so they're saying Hawaii's going to lose by less than 18 points. I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I think that's safe. I think that's a safe bet. I, I don't. Not not when you see the score from last year on the road. Hawaii really didn't make any real changes this season. They're just now getting back on the right track, theoretically, because uh, their coaching staff is all new as of last year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Top to bottom. like you, you talk about stadium troubles. I don't even know if – Hawaii has a stadium right now. I know they're going through their own crap with that too. The program is trying to find right. This is not the season for it. I'm going to put more faith in in Vanderbilt this year. I think it's going to be like a 20, 30 point game. Yeah. Yeah. The natural disaster is not on Honolulu. It's different, different Island, man. Anyway, no, I'm talking about volcanoes. No, there was a whole thing about their actual main stadium. I thought for the past few years years ago, I thought it was still going on. I thought they still hadn't solved it. I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's been done. Uh, Maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't know. Moving on. (laughs) Next up, our third and final neutral site game to open the college football season. Jackson State versus South Carolina State in Atlanta. This is the game on ABC this weekend, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Jackson State did lose Deion Sanders and the Sanders family and, I don't know, a whole bunch of other players too. At the same time, we still picked them to be the second or third best team in the SWAC this year. And the talent disparity between, say, the top half of SWAC MIAC and the bottom half of the SWAC MIAC is very wide at the moment. Definitely feels like South Carolina State's in that bottom half. But, Tug, you took South Carolina State Bulldogs here. What are you thinking? Look, I I appreciate that Jackson State was able to keep most of their coaching staff intact, a chunk of their roster intact, but this is a lot of turnover between two seasons, a lot of hype that went with it. Man, it's just, it's going to be a tough one uh, to to adjust. And coming out in week zero, I think it's going to be even tougher, less time to prepare for that game. Uh, You know, assuming 
like everyone else is preparing for week one, you got to prepare for a week earlier. I don't like the timing. I don't like the the storylines behind it. I just think South Carolina State at this moment is a bit more stable, and I think that's gonna gonna win out. I think that's very fair, but also I gotta imagine that Jackson State is gonna come out hungry and wanting to prove that just because they lost Deion Sanders and half of their team. That's that's uh, more of what my issue is, the half of the team. I think I still think they're gonna come out hungry and wanting to prove like, yeah, we're not gonna be the same team, but we're not a bad team this year either, just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think TC Taylor's gonna come out pretty hot too, trying to get his team rallied around. You know, first first game under his belt, other than that uh technically he played he coached the celebration bowl, but we won't talk about that for for TC Taylor's sake. <laughs> first play, first play from scrimmage four verts over the top. Here we go. They still almost won the celebration bowl. So I mean, I know, I know. And South Carolina State did not get close to making the celebration bowl last year. So, <laughs> kind of two different programs at the moment. South Carolina State has a history of dominating the MEAC and the celebration bowl. But it's been a couple of years now, and Jackson State's still solid at most positions, feels like. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely picking Jackson State, me and Bug. We're on the right side of history. It's okay. You guys are <laughs> on the right side of history here in a bit, too. Don't worry. Uh, in the meantime, San Jose State at the University of Southern California 8 p.m. Eastern on the Pac-12 network, which means the vast majority of the country will not be legally allowed to watch the game because nobody carries Pac-12 network other than like Fubo. And why? Why would they? Uh, because the Pac-12 is going to be fucking awesome this year, and you fuckers. you say this every year, and all I'm saying is Ben and I's it's voice amazing is one out. every season. Yeah, every season ben, I have said to that, it's around been you. awesome. But but You're Ben and I's voices one out and they're shutting the conference down. And not officially, to, not officially. About to be the Big Ten and you're going to enjoy them. You guys are going to. Oh you're gosh, the one that's sitting there chained to the tree while they cut down every other tree in the forest and act <laughs> like you're not. Right. I'm saying there are uh, <laughs> ten of the twelve teams this year have an awesome, awesome roster, and I think if you look at the top twenty-five in the preseason. Fucking half of it's Pac-12. I don't know. And the other half's well, SEC. Yeah, and I was going to say, Michigan, how often can we rely Notre on Dame, that? Though? And Ohio State. I hate you guys so much sometimes. You have to recognize at least USC this year is going to be really good. They're, and I'm excited they for that. The playoff, they have the playoffs in their sights. If they can get past Utah finally, they'll, I'm they'll excited be a for playoff that. team. <laughs> I, I do legitimately think that when USC and UCLA are good, when we've got good programs on the West Coast, college football is better for it, 100%. We didn't really – we kind of had that with Oregon, with Marcus Mariota and Chip Kelly out there. But did we really? I mean, that was such a weird style of football. It could never be replicated, and it wasn't good I mean, enough to win a national championship. They made two of them, though. They did make West two Coast of them. relevant. But and not in the Washington way – Washington is the only Pac-12 team to have ever made a four-team playoff. Yeah. So it, – It's – they don't make the West Coast – that didn't make the West Coast relevant the way that USC does by just making it. And it's been – it was, what, 2004 the last time they were even in the conversation for it? 2005 because Reggie Bush 
and the whole Heisman issue. Yeah, I couldn't remember and the year. I was close. That was, it was the 2004-2005 season because it was the 2005 Rose Bowl against Texas. Nailed it. So you're both right. I and guess. they lost that. <laughs> yes. Vince Young. It was considered the greatest college football game of all time. Yeah. I think it still is. Yeah. It, right. I'll I'll there's, a, there's, there's some arguments to be made for it, for sure. <laughs> Look, I will tell you the most degenerate thing ever. They're, the spread on this game is 30 and a half points in favor of USC. No way. I was going to be in favor of San Jose 76% of people are still <laughs> taking USC against the spread. That I mean, is wild. Look, I'm saying that I disagree line, 30, with that. 30 and a half makes me consider maybe I do want to put some money on San Jose State. Like, I, yeah, I'd be down. <laughs> but I'd be down for that. But 76% of people are going, nah, that's still USC's game. That's how wide this talent gap appears to be on paper. The reason I'd be down for that specifically, let's get into some details here. USC still has Alex fucking Grinch as their defensive coordinator. Alex Grinch sucks ass at being a defensive coordinator. He's one of the worst defensive coordinators in all of Division I college football. I stand by that. Doesn't matter what anyone tries to tell you. Last year, the only reason they were any good on the defensive side of the ball is because of turnover margin, which is not sustainable. The fact that they got so many interceptions is not – it doesn't reflect well on the head, the defensive coordinator. It doesn't reflect well on the coaching staff. It just happens to be a couple of corners were in the right position at the right time, and Caleb Williams took care of the ball. That's wonderful for USC last year. Not going to happen again. There's going to be a huge, huge downfall of the defense for USC this season, and I fully expect <sighs> – the only reason they beat Oregon State's because of some bullshit interceptions that felt like USC lucked into if you watched that game, which nobody did because it was on Pac-12 Network as well. There you go. I watched it live, and it was some bullshit. Please please tell me more about how good the, the Pac-12 is going to be. Their defense is trash. They get lucky. He's realizing he's contradicted himself, and now he doesn't know what his next step's going to be. How does it make the Pac-12 worse than a Pac-12 team beat a Pac-12 team? No, no. You motherfucker. That's not what I'm saying. He's gone full Italian, too. Look at his hands. I will say, though, the Pac-12 is better than the Mountain West, and the top of the Pac-12 is certainly better than the middle of the Mountain West, and that's why USC is favored by so much. And that's why <laughs> that's why I would take them by so much. I would be on the side taking USC against the spread in this one, 100%. That was a valid move. I approve. What you Next didn't up. see is backstage he flipped us off. The, whole, the old double bird, <laughs> loud and proud. Didn't do it live on air for all of our young listeners. Because... <laughs> They can they can hear this. Exactly. <laughs> and the final game of the night, because fuck you guys, we're moving on. Uh, we're all taking USC, by the way, if that wasn't clear, because it's they're playing San Jose State. Uh, so yeah, we're taking USC. We're taking the USC. final the final game of the night is on CBS Sports Network, Florida International at. Louisiana Tech, 9 p.m. Eastern start time. 
wild that that's the nightcap. Uh, but also, honestly, yeah, wait a this, this, this isn't is a, in the Pacific. This is a, this is a real sickos type game. Looking forward to some bullshit shenanigans. Uh, (laughs) gotta say florida international quarterback grayson james is back i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing they don't either uh louisiana tech on the other hand brings in a transfer quarterback hank bachmeyer coming in from boise state you might remember him from an amazing season two years ago but last year didn't start off too hot. Got his offensive coordinator fired midseason. And so Hank Bachmeyer said, well, he's gone, then I'm gone too. And transferred in September during the season. Uh, so he's eligible to play again. And now he's playing for the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. What a downgrade. <laughs> Left Boise State to go play for Louisiana Tech. Uh, but also might make Louisiana Tech fun this year. What an so upgrade cool. for Boise State, though. Upgrade for Boise State. Yeah, they that's, lost that's Hank Bachmeyer. That's brutal. Hank Bachmeyer was awesome in 2021. Yeah, but like you said, last year was bad, and their backup quarterback, their going in second string to start the season last year was much better throughout I mean, the rest of the season. That is fair. They changed offensive styles completely, though, which I, I guess the point is it's not necessarily Hank Bachmeyer's fault. No, it's not. But to run the style of offense they want to run, yes, the move they made was the right move for them. So, um, hopefully, Hank Bachmeyer can return to 2021 form for the Bulldogs here. And that's why I'm going with Louisiana Tech. Uh, no way in hell I'm picking Florida International in this game. What is your thinking here, Tug? I refuse to be memed by the FIU Panthers. That's a weird refusal, but I kind of respect it. Uh, also, <laughs> impressive. did you know that I was going to take Louisiana Tech or something? No, I just – it felt like the answer was obvious, so I know you. And if I took <laughs> Louisiana Tech, you'd have taken FIU, and I had already taken Vanderbilt, so I couldn't leave you with two losers like that off the bat because you two refused to be memed by crappy programs. <laughs> I mean, I'd have taken, I'd have taken Louisiana Tech no matter what this one looked like. I just really have that little faith in Vanderbilt. I, I, I'm kind of here with with Doug, and I'm going to add too that I I don't think last year was really representative of what Sonny Cumbie brings to the table as far as his head coaching ability. Maybe Hank Bachmeyer is going to be that shot in the arm that he needs to help get his offense going and make this team more successful. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Uh, what Sonny Cumbie was able to do in his short interim tenure at Texas Tech was interesting. Yeah. Raises raises some green flags for me. So I'm hoping he can turn Louisiana Tech around in short order. Uh they were they were kind of in a bad way two years ago and last year. Just the roster as a whole taking a real downturn. So right. yeah, maybe Hank Bachmeyer could be know. one of those one of those kindling pieces as well. Coming into his second year, frankly, three and nine last year was probably about as good as you could hope for, even if it does look and sound pretty shitty, because it is. I mean, it is. But yeah. for Louisiana Tech, though, and for what Sonny <laughs> Cumby was working with, not not the worst, not the worst. Couldn't get much worse, though. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. 
that is it for all of our games, though. Doug, you've yeah. got a couple play- players, a couple players, players. For us to watch out for. Uh, Big time move, players. Let's move straight in here. Yeah. So the offensive side of the ball, I'm one to watch out for. Number 14 for Vanderbilt, wide receiver Will Shepard. Big, dominant X receiver for Vanderbilt, if you want to call that stat line dominant, uh, which. You know, it doesn't, doesn't look it on the surface. 776 yards last year, nine touchdowns. If you watch him play, he plays like a six foot three, 200 pound receiver, which not all six foot three, 200 pound receivers actually end up playing like. Uh, so it's actually kind of fun to see. He literally, his, his most, you know, preferred move is reaching over the defensive backs' heads and snatching the ball out from in front of them because he can, and he's bigger than all of them. My ball. So, uh, he doesn't have to jump that high because he's already pretty high up in the air compared to the like five foot eleven, five foot ten corners that he usually gets paired up against. Uh, but he can jump pretty well and has had to high point the ball before and has shown the ability to do so. Also. Really strong hands in traffic. I was impressed by that in the short amount of, uh, I don't know that I really want to call it film. More of, I guess, more of a highlight reel that I was able to see from him. But I'm picking him this week in particular because I think there's a great matchup potentially on tap if Hawaii plays their cards right. Hawaii has six foot two corner Verdell Edwards II who is also the best corner on the team. Cole led the team in interceptions last year with three at five passes defended last year. Uh, That's awesome, right? He's a legitimately good corner. He's also six foot two. That is way bigger than most of the corners that Will Shepard will ever have to go against. Six foot two is not that normal for a corner. That's why we talk about guys that are over six foot when they end the NFL draft. Like Julius Prince last year was like, oh my gosh, a six foot four corner who can actually play corner? That's insane. That's unheard of. Well, if you can actually have six two versus six three this weekend, if we can get that matchup, that will be everything I need to know about Will Shepard as an actual NFL draft prospect. Because yeah, it's really cool to see a guy just reach over the top and bully his way to getting some catches, to strong arm his way into getting some catches in traffic. I'm hoping we get this matchup, and I will be there in person, Vanderbilt Hawaii game. And if we, if I get to see this, I, I think there's a really good chance that Will Shepard ends up as a late round pick at wide receiver. Um, his stats aren't there to be eye popping enough to get people on board for too much earlier, but I think there are some traits there where he might be worth taking a look at. And uh, if it's not purely beaten up on smaller guys, if it's some legitimate receiver receiving ability, I he might be worth it. We'll see. Absolutely. <laughs> not a running back. That's no. that's the best thing. That's about him that's the guys. most impressive thing out of all of this. And I gotta say too, looking at the measurables, looking at the numbers, and just the small description you've given. I think a lot of teams have got to be excited at least a little bit for him. But, yeah, like you said, we've got to see what he's actually able to do this season. Nobody right. really knows the answer to any of that right now. 
It is a senior does, season, so he yeah. he could play another one or two years, I guess, in theory. Yep. But <laughs> and he he has had some market improvement year by year too. So yeah. all signs point to this is going to be a better season for him. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm my theory is if he cracks a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns, he's gone. And I think that's very possible. Even at Bandy. I mean, he's been he's been building to that for a few years now. You can see it. Yeah. Uh, we can throw out 2020. Nobody cares about that season. But 43 for 577, 60 for 776. He's only 10, 15 catches away from really breaking that breaking that thousand yard marker. Right. Right. And I expect him to be the leading receiver for Vanderbilt this year, for sure. Like, no doubt in my mind. He also lines up as a traditional X, which is cool. Sorry, let's keep going. <laughs> Twice. Uh, not a linebacker either. This is a defensive end. Uh, similar in some ways. He might, in theory, end up playing a 3-4 outside linebacker. But I don't know that there's... I don't think there are too many scenarios where you'd actually want to line him up in off-ball situations, like actually put him in zone coverage. Uh, he should be a rush. He should be an edge rusher for you. Uh, but praise. Do you want to try to pronounce this, Tug, actually? I'm a Wale. Not really. Uh, praise Amehule is a redshirt senior defensive end for UTSA. Not UTSA, UTEP. That's a typo. Very fun. Exciting stuff there. Uh, 6'3", 250 pounds. The spoken typo, the most uncommon form of typo ever. Yeah. The same height as the wide receiver we just talked about, only 50 pounds heavier, very different positions. Also way thicker upper legs there. Uh, Holy shit. He a thick boy. <laughs> you may notice, looking at the stats on the screen, if you are, that his sack production and tackles for loss production went down significantly last year. That might scare off the uninitiated. If you look deeper, he led the team in quarterback pressures by a lot. And... If you watch the games, he was like definitively the best player on the field almost every time he was on the field. It's just a matter of sometimes quarterbacks get away from sacks. It happens. Yep. Uh, he's he's still in position to break UTEP's career sack record. He has 17 and a half in his career right now. 20 is the school record for UTEP. So three more and the record's all his. I think that's very possible this year. and. He will be the featured edge rusher for the Miners this season. Uh, starting off with Jacksonville State, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the offensive line. We might see one or two sacks in week zero. I was going to say this, forward to that. Th this could be a week one record setter. Like, <laughs> Then again, he has had more time than everyone else to set the record. I mean, that's definitely fair. <laughs> Definitely fair, getting his getting his fair share of college football. Also, you may notice if you're looking at the screen, he does have several pass breakups to his name as well. Most of those are off the line, like jump up and swat the ball down, not necessarily in coverage. They do drop him in coverage occasionally, 
I don't see that as his best position. He will need to bulk up a little bit, probably, if he wants to stay as an edge rusher if he goes to the NFL. Um, 250, 250 pounds is pretty light for that, unless yeah. you are an outside linebacker and can drop into coverage. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But there's definitely potential with him as an edge rusher. His quarterback pressure rate, again, that's that's the most important part of this. Sacks are nice, but not always the uh, end-all, be-all of an edge rusher. And his quarterback pressure rate is off the charts. So, praise Amehule is definitely one to watch out for on the defensive line. Man, those edge rushers can always be scary. This is definitely an exciting prospect to watch here moving forward. I still do not regret taking Jacksonville State, even after seeing this. <laughs> That's fine. That's Am fine. I a little bit more wrong. concerned with my pick? Maybe, but I don't regret it. <laughs> I hope that he breaks the record in week zero. That'd be just too fun. He probably will. Get him three, four sacks in this game, which is already impressive because I only have one of those. So, give that many. We're back, baby. We're so back. We're back. (laughs) I'm so excited. It's football season. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, folks. That does it for our preview of week zero. We have 10 entire college football games. Very exciting stuff and some great, great matchups. Maybe some blowouts in there, too. But also some great matchups for sure. Uh, definitely looking forward to reviewing them with you guys next week. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, check us out on all of our beautiful links that Tug's going to read to you in a moment. I do want to shout out individually, though. BloodlineNetwork.com is the place to find, I don't know, Everything all of our sports. podcasts now. And all sorts of other podcasts and other cool stuff. Definitely worth checking out. And uh, we really appreciate the support of Bloodline Network. Um, I'll hand it off to Bug, though, first before before you – unless you have something different, Tug. Are you about to read links for us? I was getting ready to, yeah. All right. Go ahead and read the links. I I got a couple things. Ooh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as (laughs) always, if you are – unable to hear me read them or i read them too fast you can always rewind them or you can check the description they will be linked below uh, we have patreon.com slash bt football twitter.com slash bt football facebook.com slash bdt football instagram.com slash bdt underscore football bdt football.com mailbox at bdt football.com youtube.com slash at big dudes in the trenches the discord link is always linked below and as doug was just talking about bloodline network.com is a fantastic place to find us and some great podcast partners we've been working with recently yeah so i'm, I'm unfortunately going to take it on a sad note real quick here uh but it, it links in with the bloodline they uh they do a lot of wrestling content and this uh Part of the part of our partnership there is there is a big cross section between wrestling and football. And if you are a WWE fan, you've probably heard the news that former Troy football player and WWE superstar Bray Wyatt has passed away. Uh, make sure to check out the Bloodline Network. I'm sure they've got something cooking up to do a tribute to Bray Wyatt. Uh, his his real name, uh, William Wyndham Rotunda, uh, unfortunately passed away at the age of 36 today. With that, though, we have also spoken a few times about working on uh, 
getting some getting some Madden content going on here at BDT and with the Bloodline for that matter. So we're gonna we're gonna raid out here uh, once we once we hit that music. We'll let it play for a little bit and we'll raid out to some Madden streamers uh, going forward the rest of the year. And then when college football comes out, we'll probably completely switch over to doing that instead. Yeah. We'll still do the podcast. I'm not saying we're gonna stop doing the podcast. Don't don't misunderstand me there. But Back to our regularly scheduled programming. My wife asked me today if I'd seen the Dog Bowl. I said, I never knew she did. I knew where that was going. I heard she got perfect 300. That'd be awesome, right? (laughs) Move over, Air Bud. Your your dog, any of your dogs picking up a bowling ball would be impressive. Who do you think you are? My dog is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching and or listening. That's all the time we have on the show today. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win.